Turn with me to Second Timothy chapter two. Second Timothy chapter two, please. And verses nineteen and twenty. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. We'll just stop there and excuse the technical difficulty at the minute. We'll get it sorted with my mic in a second. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name we pray that you would just settle our hearts and help your people and strengthen them and build them up upon their most holy faith. And Father, we ask you to glorify your own name in this house. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for so many being here this morning, for filling the house of God. And we ask you, Father, that you would just bless every person. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You know, we started this series, A a Great House with Glorious Vessels in a Godless Environment. A Great House, Glorious Vessels, and a Godless Environment. And we have done it a little patchy because I didn't mean for it to go on for three weeks. This is the third week, and we have broken it up as the Lord has led us uh, throughout other things. But Let me just give you a brief rundown just to trigger your memory and maybe for those who haven't heard parts one and two. And what we'll bring this morning is completely different from parts one and two. Uh, I'll just give you a background. In fact, if you listen to what we're saying this morning, I trust the Spirit of God will speak to you and encourage you this morning, maybe even challenge you. Here we have uh, the apostle writing to young Timothy, And as I said before, he's writing to Timothy, and Timothy's now the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And being the pastor there, you know, the temple of Diana, the goddess of the Ephesians was there, and there were temple prostitutes and all sorts of um, idolatrous temple worship. All these sort of things were going on. And there was a lot of uh, sin. There was a lot of uh, unrighteousness. There was a lot of things that people were doing and things that people were getting up to. And the church, especially a young pastor trying to pastor in it, he was feeling the strain of it and the stress of it. And you know, it shows you that no matter who you are and no matter what lifestyle you have, whether you're godly or ungodly, everybody has stresses and everyone has strains and everyone has difficulties. But the difference is, believer, this morning that you and I have someone to trust. You and I have someone to lean on. You and I have a great foundation in our lives. And those who do not know Christ, they don't have that. And they struggle through and they get by. And many believers tend to live in condemnation. Many believers tend to live with... um, not only the stress and the anxiety of things, 
but they tend to live under the pressure of it, and they live in defeat. Remember you feel this morning defeated, condemned, you're trying your best, as it were. Now, we know we live this walk with Christ by faith, but nevertheless, you're a human being, and you can be condemned by yourself. And you can live in defeat in yourself, within yourself. But it's knowing then that you're loved, deeply loved by Almighty God. It's knowing that you do have a firm foundation. It's knowing that thirdly, you're sealed by Him. We'll look at it in a moment. You're sealed by God. What does He mean? And when you and I get to realize that we are the recipients of this, it doesn't mean we can live our lives how we like. I believe in right living. I believe in holy living. You know that. I believe in living to our best of our abilities before God. You know that. But the idea is that when you realize in your times of struggle, in your times when you feel there's nothing left in you, in your times when you just can't go on, and there's, is there a mustard seed of faith or not? You know, you're struggling so hard. The Bible tells us that God's building a great house. He's not building a ramshackled shed in a garden. He's not building something that will be torn down in a few weeks or years' time. God's building a great house, and you are part of that great house. A great God building a great house, and you're part of that. And so when you and I get to realize that even as Timothy here, and you find well, and the faith that was in Timothy was unfeigned faith. We've looked at that more in depth. It was a real faith, in other words. Remember, one old preacher said, Timothy was the real deal. You know, there's people who claim to be Christians and they, they have a facade, but inside they're not the real deal. You know that. There's tares and there's wheat, as it were. They're not the real deal. But that's not for you and I to pluck them up. You leave that with the Lord. But if you know with Timothy, or like Timothy, you have an unfeigned faith, as Paul called it. And the word there for unfeigned is where we get our word unhypocritical faith. And it's the word anupokre. And it's where we get hypocrite from. Someone with a mask, someone with a veil, someone with another face. And if you know in your faith that when you're at home, even though you're weak, even though you're down, even though you're struggling, even though you feel you can't carry on, even the wall's coming against you, even though you think the prayers are not heard. Listen, God's delays are not his denials. Take it in. God's delays are not his denials. And keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking. And like the old Puritan Samuel Rutherford, if my memory serves me right, he says uh, about knocking, seeking, and asking at the door that God would answer your prayer. He says, but know this, when thou art in prayer, and you're calling on the name of Jesus, he says, thou art at the right door. You're knocking at the right door, and God is there. His delays are not his denials. 
Pray through. Don't be through praying. And when you're like that at home, or wherever you are, know this, that in your weakness, that in your emptiness, that in your lifelessness, that in your deadness. Now, Christian, when you've been touched by the Spirit of God, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. You know that life, that that elevated place in the Holy Ghost, come up higher. Come up hither. Come in deeper. And you sense that anointing of the Spirit. And you sense that anointing of God in your life. And suddenly you feel carnal. From being able to, as David said, for by my God have I run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. He teacheth my hands to war, remember? So that a bow of steel is broken by my hands. David says, Lord, when your anointing is upon me, when your anointing is close, when I sense your nearness and I'm conscious of it, he says, Lord, I can run through the army. I can jump over high walls. I can break bend steel bows with my hands. You give me supernatural ability. You give me supernatural strength. Divine power from on high is placed and infused within me. And Lord, I'm conscious of it. I sense it. I know it. I realize it. And I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You know what I mean? And then sometime you get up in the morning and you feel just like little old you carnal and you're just a human. Well, you know, it does not show us who we are without Christ. It does not show us the reality of our humanity without the Lord Jesus Christ. That it's in his faithfulness, his faithfulness towards you, brother, and his faithfulness towards you, sister. It's in his faithfulness And it's in his faithfulness that he never leaves you. Neither does he forsake you. You know, it's a cloudy morning this morning and it's a bit wet and miserable and misery and rainy and all that sort of stuff. And we can't see the sun. But I'll guarantee you it's still where the Lord has placed it. It's still there. We might not see it, but the sun is still there. And you might not feel it, but you don't go in your feelings. And you might not see it. You don't go in your sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. And even in those days when our hearts are in our boots, when we've got cement around our feet and our head feels like a ball of lead, then you can say, Lord, I can't see you and I can't feel you. I don't even know about sensing you, but Lord, I know in your faithfulness you are here. You're here. Timothy, see in your struggles, son. See in your trials. See in your temptations. See when you're leading the church. See in all of it, he says, Timothy. Be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In other words, obey the word. Come under authority of the word. Obey the command and see the army march to victory. Brother, sister, you obey the word. 
You trust in that word. You come under the authority of the word of God. Take it on the chin and be a good soldier. Jesus Christ saying, Lord, since you are for me, then nothing can be against me. See the victory come in Christ. See the circumstance change in Christ. And see the name of Jesus lifted on high in your life. So here he's telling them this. In this world of darkness, it's a, a godless environment as we've entitled this. But in the midst of this godless environment, God is building a great house. And in that great house, there are glorious vessels. Glorious vessels are vessels of grace. Glorious vessels are vessels of grace. Glorious vessels are vessels of mercy. Glorious vessels are vessels of compassion. All that which God has poured into this great house. God has placed glorious vessels in this great house. You are one of those glorious vessels. For you are glorious in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're glorious in the mercy of God. You're glorious in the compassion and the love of God which changes not. And when you realize the love of God for you, toward you, and for you, even in your failures and your fallings and your faults, even in your wanderings, It's only because he loves you that he calls you back. It's only because he loves you that he ministers to your heart. And you become a glorious vessel in this great house. The house is the household of faith. Let me just read a couple of things, and I have mentioned them, and if you want to get parts one and two, we can arrange that for you, or you can download it. But listen to what Paul has said to Timothy. He says in chapter 1, verse 5, Remember the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Remember, you're the real deal, Timothy. This is real. And the unfeigned faith, remember, is faith that is imputed. Look, everybody has faith. Do you know that? People have faith in different gods, so-called gods. People have faith in a bus driver to get them into town. They're operating on faith when they get on that bus that this driver won't take ill, or this driver won't crash the bus, that this driver will get them to their destination. There's, there's a faith. You just get on and you believe you'll be there. That's, that's faith. But that's not the faith that Timothy had, and it's not the faith that a born-again believer has. It's a faith that is imparted and regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. And so he lives in you, and you live in that faith. It's called the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the faith in you. And that faith is not a faith to come. Don't look for your faith to come tomorrow, believer. Listen, beloved, don't look for your faith to come tomorrow. And don't look for your faith to come when you're going to a doctor's surgery. And don't look for your faith to come when you're on your way to work to face a boss or to go for an interview or or whatever. And don't look for your faith to come next week or next month or next year. Don't look for your faith to come because if you are Christ, your faith is the faith of God in you. In other words, God has given you something special. God has birthed you. And that faith that you have 
is a faith that only comes from God. Now listen, God doesn't need faith because he's God. But what I mean is it's the regenerated faith that's in your life. And when is it working? When is it moving? When is it operating? You ready for this? Now in your life. You had a bad week. You had a bad day. You've had a bad morning. You've had a bad season, a bad time. Now listen to this. You've had it bad. You've had it rough. And you're wondering, Lord, when are you going to speak to me? He already is. He already is. And it's faith in the Lord that's brought you here this morning. If you were working in your own, in your, on your own steam, you'd maybe be still pulling the duvet over your head or getting your lunch. But it's faith operating that's brought you here because God says, obey me and I'll speak to you there. He says, remember the unfeigned faith. Notice what he says in verse 6. This was mentioned, by the way, in the ministry of the Spirit this morning. Stir up the gift of God that is in thee. Come on, Christian. Think about this. Let me, can I be a wee bit hard for a minute? Is that okay? Can I be a, bit, a wee bit tough? Is that okay? Is that all right? Now listen. Christian, it's time to get your act together. It's time to start digging deep, pulling out treasures that are in you. It's time to start operating in faith. It's time to start believing God for a greater. It's time to stop living in defeat and start walking in victory. It's time to raise your head above the parapet and say, here am I, Lord, send me. It's time that the Lord came to you and you came to the Lord and joined together in prayer and says, Lord, I am asking you to help me, show me, teach me, lead me, guide me, that I may stir up the gift of God that is in me, the gift that is in you. It's the Lord saying to you this morning, come on, pull it together. Pull it together. And stir yourself up. Stir yourself up in prayer. I don't feel like praying. It doesn't matter how you feel, just go in and pray. Just go in and pray. I don't know what to say. You don't know what to say to Almighty God, the creator of the universe who came and shed his blood for you? You don't know what to say? What about thank you? I praise you. I worship you. I love you. You don't know what to say. We can talk on a telephone for hours. Sit in front of a television set, read a magazine or work newspapers for hours. Sit over a, a, a cup of coffee in a coffee shop and drink two or three cups, chat all day. But we can't go before God and talk to him. See, the prayer room is the engine room of your life. The prayer room is the engine room of the church. This is where we stoke the fire of God. I'm being a wee bit tough, aren't I? Stir it up. When we're singing praises, well, I just... Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
There was an business to come. Looking round the church, and all creation I sing. Praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I adore you, Lord. Now look at my watch. How long has he sang that for? <laughs> Brother, sister, we're before God. We are before God. Stir up the gift. Stir it up. We're before Almighty God. All creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. Come on. Timothy, trials have come okay, son, it's hard. Temptations have come okay, they're luring. Hurts have come, I'll mend you. I'll fix you. I'll heal you. Come on, Timothy. You've unfeigned faith. Don't be a hypocrite, Timothy. And put a face on for church and live something else. And don't be a hypocrite, Timothy, when you're in the house and you don't go to pray, but yet you'll praise in the church. Or don't be a hypocrite and don't praise in the church and tell everybody else how great the service was. He says, come on. He says, Timothy, it's unfeigned faith. It's reality. And if you've got the reality of God, he says then, stir up the gift of God that is in thee. That's what he's saying. Stir it up, Timothy. What he says, verse 7, listen to what he says. We all quote this. Paul says, Timothy, God hath not given us the spirit of fear of power and of love and of a sound mind. And let me stop you, brother. Let me stop you, sister, before we start swinging on the chandeliers. And before we do the soft shoes, shuffle up and down the aisles. There's some translations will tell you, and the word's okay. God has not given us a spirit of timidity. That's true. But the word fear. See, people are living in fear. I want to ask you, believer, you don't need to answer me, but I want you to answer yourself before God, what are you afraid of? David says, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Come on, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of what tomorrow holds? Why are you afraid of tomorrow? You're told not to take thought for tomorrow. Are you afraid of what tomorrow brings? Why are you afraid of tomorrow when you know who holds tomorrow? Are you afraid of financial burdens? And the word says a cattle on a thousand hills are his. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of when we're in here to praise? Are you afraid of what the one in the front of you or behind you or beside you or on the other side of the room will say if you start entering into worship? Are you afraid they'll say, look at that lunatic? Listen, David's wife, when the ark was coming down, and he's bringing it into Jerusalem for the second time. 
first time he sent it, he rerouted it, by the way. There was a talk about rerouting. We know what that's about over here. The ark was rerouted. It was. It was sent to Obedidim or Obedidim's house because they weren't doing it right. And the glory of God was rerouted. David clicks, and David says, I've got it, Lord. There has to be the shedding of blood. And it has to be borne upon the priest's shoulders, not upon a new cart. I've got it, Lord. It's by your way and your way only. It's only through the way which you have purposed and the way which you have ordained. I've got it, Lord. And he says, bring the ark. Get the Levitical priest to carry it on their shoulders. And he slid animals' blood the whole way down the road into Jerusalem. It was called a, a new and living way has been consecrated for you and for me into the presence of God. And it means there is a freshly slain blood road every day for you. And the glory of God came. Can I ask you something? Are you rerouting? Are you rerouting through fear of the Spirit of God? Just a question. Are we rerouting what God wants to really do? Lord, go to Obedidim's house. You know what the Lord says? I will. And he blessed Obedidim. I'll tell you about that sometime. Everything Obedidim or Obedidim done, he blessed them. And he wasn't even an Israelite. He was an Edomite. That's where his name, Obed-Edom, comes from. Edom is Esau. He wasn't even an Israelite. He wasn't even one of God's elect. He wasn't one of God's people. And the Lord says, if you don't want me, then I'll bless somewhere else. And I'm saying, Lord, we don't want to reroute you, nor your anointing, nor your spirit, nor your present. Jesus, you are welcome in this place. We won't reroute God for anyone. We want the glory of God to fill this house. For this is a great house with glorious vessels, and it's in a godless environment. But we are to stir up the gift of God that is in us. Praise his name. We're going to worship for a moment. Gary, come on up. I'm just going to stop there. I haven't even got to the verses I wanted to preach on. Well, sure, that's what the Lord wanted to say to us this morning. We're not going to reroute you, Lord. We've praised and we've worshiped and we're going to enter in. We're going to worship before we go home and let's sing with all our hearts and praise the Lord for his goodness and for his grace. Lord, there's no rerouting in this house. Amen. Praise his holy name. We're not going to reroute the Holy Ghost. We're asking for the Holy Ghost. We're desiring for more of Jesus in this place. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's all stand, sure. And Gary lead us in the team uh, in a time of praise. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Remember, you're deeply loved this morning by God. Let's all stand, please. You're deeply loved by God. And let's really enter in and say, Lord, we want to praise you. Hallelujah. <laughs>